Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. I'm going to share two stories with you. One that we, we, we learned about this morning. A story about a press conference, not a press conference, a speech, a uh, bit of fear-mongering that President Joe Biden is going to engage later today. The other just happened, just happened to me. Literally five minutes before I sat in the chair. So, 10 minutes ago, Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, 833 got Tony, 833-468-8669, 833-GOT Tony is the number. I need to follow me through to the end here. And I promise you I'm not going to scream. I want to. Trust me when I say I want to. But I'm not going to. If for some reason I am not able to hold, forgive me. We start with the knowledge that Joe Biden is going to deliver a speech. Not at the Capitol, but at Union Station. Not at the White House, but at Union Station. Not from his porch in Delaware, where he, of course, claimed he went to a historically black college and university. Look, it's Joe Biden. Every single day is just an absolute treat for this man when it comes to saying things that aren't true and aren't real. He says many things that aren't true and aren't real. But he's going to deliver a speech at 7 p.m. at the Columbus Club in Union Station to address, quote, the threat of election deniers and those who seek to undermine faith in voting and democracy. This according to a DNC advisory. The president is going to, six days before the midterm elections, tell you why you can't trust the midterm elections. Because there are people out there I disagree with, and they're trying to steal democracy. They're a threat to democracy. They want to steal elections. They want to just destroy the country. As I see it, and as the rational mind sees it, he is pushing the idea that it's okay to commit acts of violence against people you disagree with. He is pushing the political left to engage in acts of political violence against the right, or violence against the political right. How else do you explain it? How else could you possibly? Do you really want to argue this with me? 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. I dare you to try You want to fight? Let's go. I don't come today to try and make friends and try and build the bridge. I don't come to try and mend the bridge or try and reach my hand across. I'm telling you there is the Yetzer Hurrah and the Yetzer Tov. There is the evil and there is the good. There is the right and there is the wrong in the world. And some people are just lying through their damn teeth. And some people are pushing for acts of violence, something I have been concerned about. And you've heard me talk about this for months now. This isn't something in the ether. This isn't something in your head. Joe Biden is actually going to deliver remarks. According to his advisors, it's from Capitol Hill because that's where there was an attempt to subvert our democracy. The political left, six days from election day, is focused on January 6th. 
If you follow my video series uh, over there at Rumble, presented by Americans for Prosperity, you know that I did a video just yesterday where I was discussing the fact of something we discussed here, that the political left isn't losing because uh, of, of their, their policies. They're losing because they're not in touch with the American people. To the same exact conversation, because you might seem it strange. It might seem strange to you that I would say not losing because of their policies. The political right is not winning because of their policies. The political right is winning because they are the ones more in touch with where Americans are. The latest polling has Johnson ahead of Barnes and win the Wisconsin Senate race. Laxalt, the Republican, ahead of Cortez Masto, the incumbent Democrat in the Senate race in Nevada. You have, uh, uh, where, where is it? You have Bulldog in New Hampshire. The Senate candidate Republican, the general, ahead of the current senator, the incumbent Democrat, Maggie Hassan. The morning call has the race between Oz and Fetterman at a tie. Now, it's not a great uh, sample size at 460 uh, likely voters or a margin of error of six. I would throw this thing right out. But the poll before it has Oz plus three. You'd have to go back to Rasmussen before the debate to show Fetterman plus two with any kind of polling and a margin of error you could work with. Everyone rationally agrees that the tide is turning towards the Republicans. Models are showing it. Real Clear Politics is discussing the idea that you might see four Republican pickups in the Senate. I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. Not that I don't want to be. It's just, um, give me another day. Give me another day. That's, that's all I ask for. The Republicans are not surging because there's a newfound love for Republicans. They're surging because the political left thinks January 6th is a topic. They have been trying for two years or a year and a half, whatever it is, to try and tell you that it was an attack on democracy and the political right doesn't believe in the republic. Well, the, the Democrats don't believe in a republic either. That's neither here nor there. They've been trying to tell you for a year and a half that Republicans don't believe in your right to vote and they, they don't want you to vote and they're trying to suppress the vote even though we have more people voting than ever. They'll still tell you about its voter suppression. You've got Stacey Abrams saying of Brian Kemp, the governor of, of Georgia, well, of course you've got 107 sheriffs supporting you. All they want to do is lock up black people. What? madness from the political left. Everyone's a racist. Everyone's a bigot. Everyone on the political right is trying to destroy democracy. They're going to give a prime time speech six days before the election to incite violence and to scare you. That's what they're doing. If anybody wants to deny that's what Joe Biden is doing, 833-468-8669. I'm ready to go. But let's talk about this election. Because while the political left is talking about January 6th, let me tell you about Costco. I like Costco. I like Costco. I, I like the buck fifty hot dog. 
get the hot dog, get a drink, it's a buck fifty. Bring back the onion gun. That's all I can ask for. Just want to crank some, have little bits of onion come out. Mmm, delicious. My wife got back from Costco. Have you ever met my wife? Lovely, absolutely lovely, world class woman. Love that girl, that that woman. I was gonna say love that girl. I'm gonna be like, that's so offensive. I always say I love that girl. If you don't like it, pfft, you ain't the one I'm married to. I don't care. And she walks in the door, and you know it's Costco, so she's got a chicken. She actually has two. She's like, they just came out. I got two chickens. I had to. I said, all right, by me. And then she says, and I got eggs. I said, okay. I had three. You know, the, the eggs come in this this kind of like plastic container thing and the, the way we get them. There's 18 eggs. There's 18 eggs to a thing. We do a lot of cooking. We do a lot of baking. And she doesn't go to Costco, you know, all the time. So she goes, she gets three. Oh, no. Can't get three. It's now a limit of two. She puts the eggs down. She goes, so uh, it's starting. Nobody... In the Gen X generation or younger has ever actually seen or witnessed rationing before. They've never had a moment where things weren't plentiful on the shelves. But for the past three years, they have seen things be not plentiful on the shelves. And now you're being told you are limited to the amount of eggs you can purchase. You know who's talking about that? The political right. The political right is talking about crime while Kathy Hochul, the New York governor, says, I don't know why you keep talking about crime. She actually said that to Lee Zeldin in a debate. I don't know why you're so focused on us dealing with criminals. The Democratic Party, as described by uh Uh, Kirsten Powers on CNN, oh, they're doing a fine job with crime. Fear works. I mean, have Democrats done enough to combat that? No, I think they've been very, they've been caught flat-footed on the crime issue because the the crime issue isn't something that's just happening in Democratic states. In fact, it's happening in Republican states. It's happening at very high rates, and Democrats have a pretty good record on, on crime, and yet they're not talking about it. Because they don't have a pretty good record on crime. Because you have whether it's uh, in, in uh, the DA in Los Angeles, Gascon, or the DA they recalled in San Francisco, Bowdoin, or whether it's Kim Fox in Chicago, or whether it's Alvin Bragg in New York, or whether it's in Indianapolis, Ryan Mears, you have prosecutors who don't actually believe in prosecutions. And what do people see? Crime. They're scared of their downtowns. They're certainly scared to go on a subway. They are frightened by it. They are bothered by it. And yet every day, progressives want to tell us crime is is doing just fine. Isn't that right, Joy Behar? Yeah. Okay, and the the Republicans now coming up to the uh, next election, which is next week, by the way, um, all they do is talk about crime, crime, crime. Well... uh, I looked it up. Murders in major cities have fallen by 4% so far in 2022, compared with the same period a year ago. So crime is not on the rise. It's actually going down under Joe Biden. what What a weird use of the number. Ask yourself this, Joy Behar. If murders are down, is it because there have been less attempts at murders? 
or is the medical world better and more people are being saved so it wasn't actually a murder? The reason that it matters is because if it is the latter, then the crime conversation still holds, which, by the way, it does. But look at her being dismissive. All they want to talk about is crime, crime, crime. All the left wants to talk about is January 6th, and all the right is talking about is what Americans are talking about. When you won't go downtown, when you don't want to take the subway in New York, when you don't want to be seen in Chicago in certain parts after nightfall. And by the way, not certain parts that you're used to not being in, certain parts that you always walked. Crime is what Americans are talking about. Inflation is what Americans are talking about. The cost of all things. And you have the Biden administration proudly saying we need windfall taxes on oil producers because as you know we're in a time of war and they're just war profiteers i think if we're talking about any of these conversations we have to start by recognizing that we are not in normal times Uh, we are in a time of war and the global environment and the global energy markets are fundamentally affected by that reality and the reason why we have had the supply crisis that we have had and the reason why we have seen price increases that we've seen globally uh, is at the core because of uh, the war and Putin's actions. And so companies that are in a position where prices have increased dramatically have reaped a uh, have, have reaped excessive uh, profits uh, from that windfall. And so- the left wants to tell you you're making too much money. The left wants to blame big corporations for everything while they work with big tech to silence you from complaining about what's happening. Meanwhile, you can't get all the eggs you want, and the eggs you want are 33% more expensive than they were just a couple of years ago. The left is losing because they refuse to accept reality. And they demand fealty. They demand that you accept that when they call you a racist that it's okay, even though you disagree with them about a policy in your kid's school. They also demand that you don't have a right to what happens in your kid's school. They demand that you allow children to decide what gender they are and engage in any surgeries that they want. Parents are saying no. Adults are saying no. They want to tell you that inflation is not the fault of Joe Biden or Democratic policies. He has nothing to do with it. It's all because of Putin. You just got to keep voting for Joe Biden. Otherwise, you're voting for people who are a threat to democracy. They lie to you at the first and they lie to you at the end. You know what the American people say? There aren't enough eggs on the shelf anyway. And now they're limiting the eggs I can get to make sure it goes around. I live in a country of rationing. We're the United States. What kind of Russian nonsense garbage is this? The left is completely disconnected from where the American people are. You name the subject, they cannot relate. They don't want to relate. And they are putting Joe Biden out there in this last gasp to try and scare you Six days before the election. Biden's address tonight from Union Station, focusing on, quote, the threat of election deniers and those who seek to undermine faith in voting and democracy, is indeed 
a call to deny election results next week, and is another push from him and progressives to violence. It is disgusting. It is immoral. It is beneath the presidency. And I take on all comers on that subject. More and more, that whole red wave conversation looks plausible. I'm Tony Katz. When I was six Wells years Fargo, old, they're getting ready for layoffs. According to uh, the reports, a lot of layoffs in their mortgage division. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Well, when you've had interest rates that are over 7% and you've got the Fed gearing up to raise interest rates again. I mean, the Dow is responding by being down 100. NASDAQ is down 134. Three quarters of a point, that's the plan. That's the possibility. And then possible increases still from there, although maybe less than three quarters of a point. Wells Fargo only had 18,000 loans in its pipeline in the start of the fourth quarter, down from 90%, or it's down 90% a year earlier, from the year earlier. That's something else. We're going to see this slowdown in housing that's also going to have an effect on the economy. Just things to be aware of, just things to be prepared for. The question is, are the Republicans prepared? We talk about the fact they have very strong chances of taking back the Senate. Very, of course, I I think without question are going to take the House. But what's the plan? Republicans are not very good at the follow through. They talk a game, but they don't necessarily do a game. Are they prepared to do That's the question. Senator Todd Young scheduled to be with us coming up next. The senator from Indiana in his own re-election campaign. We're going to talk to him uh, about that, talk about how spending is exacerbating inflation and is he prepared to cut spending. And also, what does he think of this continued January 6th conversation? Where are the connection points? And what will it take? What does the party have to show people in order to make 2024 a reality? That's all scheduled up next. Find everything at TonyCats.Locals.com. This is Tony Katz today. If I lay here, if I just lay here, would you With the election just six days away, we talk about those high-profile races, but there are races happening all across the country, certainly congressional races, many uh, Senate races. But the impact of what's happening in those races that may be getting national attention, the impact of things being said uh, by President Biden, they affect everyone everywhere. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good to be with you. Senator Todd Young joins us uh, right now. He is the senator, the senior senator uh, from Indiana. You can find more about him, young.senate.gov. And before we get into 
this announcement that Joe Biden is be, it will be giving a speech at Union Station tonight. Let's talk about your race. You have a Democratic uh, challenger in, 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 in Tom McDermott. You have a Libertarian challenger in James Seniak. You had uh, the debate. You're campaigning across the state. What is the message uh, that you bring already being in, being an incumbent? Yeah, thanks, Tony. Thanks for having me. You know, the message as, as I travel the highways and byways of the state is, is pretty consistent, uh, whether I'm, I'm out in the country, in the city, uh, or anywhere in between. It's, listen, we've got to get back to basics in terms of government. Basics meaning uh, fiscal responsibility, uh, economic growth, and national security. And um, it, this administration has, has clearly uh, not just wavered, uh, but not even pursued uh, that bare bones meat and potatoes agenda. Instead, they've become uh, fixated on on passing uh, a far left ideological agenda from open borders uh, to uh, weakness overseas to uh, just rampant uh, uh, expenditures uh, to satisfy a Green New Deal uh, fantasy. And uh, they've, they've really lost sight of, of what it means to uh, be good stewards of, of our federal government. So that is what people want. They do not want revolution. They want restoration of the hope and economic opportunity and uh, national security credibility that we earned over uh, just the last few years prior to the Biden administration. So if we see Republicans take control of the Senate. And there's a couple of models out there that will show this. Real Clear Politics is guesstimating uh, a, a pickup of four seats. I, I, I'm not there yet. Or I, I'm, give, me, give me another day to, to, to massage all the latest data uh, through. If that is the case, will we see a Republican-controlled Senate push for less spending? And will you be somebody in this inflationary era? We've got the inflation. We've got the Fed raising rates. We'll hear about, you know, raising rates today. And we have this federal government still spending at some pretty record levels. Will a Republican-controlled Senate bring down spending? Is that something you're committed to? Is that something you've spoken to Hoosiers about? Yeah, it's not only something I've spoken to Hoosiers about, Uh, It's something I've pushed for in the past. I'll continue to do well more than my part uh, as a member of an 100-person legislative body, well more than my part. Uh, Continue to advance balanced budget amendment measures, co-sponsor those that make uh, the most uh, sense and and, and press for those. But, you know, it's going to be difficult uh, to get sufficient numbers of, of people. It always is. To sign on to those. So absent that sort of fundamental change, which is uh, what I think most people would prefer, um, we need to do everything we can to make sure that if we're spending a dollar or borrowing a dollar, uh, it's, it's absolutely necessary to the security and, and economic health uh, of this country. So let me give you some examples. Um, no more Green New Deal spending. No more Build Back Better. Um, Stop the massive stimulus bills when the economy doesn't need stimulating. I'm referring to the so-called American Rescue Plan to the tune of $1.8 trillion. Uh, when the Biden administration came into office, uh, the economy was poised to grow 5 to 6% at that point. For those taking notes, it's, it's currently growing at 2.6%. Not a glowing record that uh, our National Democratic Party has to run on. 
Beyond that, uh, Tony, here's what we need to do. When we think about government spending, um, there's a lot of talk about waste, fraud, and abuse. And I have to say, you know, when I was elected to the House of Representatives, served three two-year terms in the U.S. House before this single term in the Senate, every year, there might have been an exception or two, but uh, just about every year, uh, the Republicans had the reins of government. Actual spending that we appropriate on an annual basis was going down. What, what is growing, and your listeners are smart, most of them know this, What's growing are the larger programs uh, that Congress doesn't vote on annually. Why are they growing? Well, they're growing because people are living longer, which is a good thing. I think we can all agree on that. But health care inflation uh, continues apace as well. So in that sort of environment, you, you need people leaning into this and acknowledging what the real problem is. Three-quarters of our spending is on autopilot, if you include interest on the national debt. Uh, you need people signing on to proposals that just might earn enough support to bring those programs into balance and to save really important programs like Social Security. I've done that, uh, and, and uh, I'll be making that a priority to do everything I can to save that program in particular as we uh, head into next year, should I earn people's trust and support. The last thing, Tony, and I don't intend to filibuster, just let me get this word in. Let's talk about waste, fraud, and abuse. How do we make individual government entities more efficient? VA, DOD, Department of Commerce, the whole al alphabet soup. Well, think about three things. First, you privatize things wherever possible. You deregulate when it's not possible. We did tons of that uh, when President Trump was in office and Republicans had the, the reins in Congress. And we respect the prerogatives of our states. Not, you know, not every solution lends itself or, or every problem lends itself to a national solution. So uh, we need to utilize the state governments. Indiana's done a good job of living within our means over the years. So let's allow the states to continue uh, to do their good work. Talking to Senator Todd Young of Indiana, let's go back just a little bit to the spending conversation. You're going to fight certain levels of spending, but we have things that are on autopilot. One of the ways that changes is to say we have a debt limit. And we're not going to raise the ceiling on that limit. We're not going to vote to change the ceiling on that. We are actually going to live within our means, and we're going to bring down spending overall to help with the inflation issue and then to help with the debt issue. Some people believe that the debt issue doesn't matter. It's a whole new monetary theory going on there, Senator, that it doesn't actually matter what the debt is. It doesn't actually matter what you spend. It's some Keynesian methodology of insanity as I view it. Are you in favor of saying we don't want we don't raise the debt limit anymore? This is what we have to spend and we have to live within our limits and we have to bring down our debt in total so we can continue to survive and grow as a nation. Well, I'm in favor of using debt limit milestones, you know, and the debt limit is about to be breached uh, and would require uh, the federal government, uh, your, your, your Congress to say, no, we're going to increase it by X or Y amount in order to borrow more and, and fund certain things. I'm re I, I am all for using those milestones or leverage points uh, to extract, you know, uh, concessions to get uh, spending under control, uh, to ensure we live within our means, uh, so on and so forth. Uh, I, listen, I, I don't think anyone wants uh, an interest rate response from the markets uh, if, if you just 
if, if you created uncertainty about whether or not you're going to be able to pay uh, U.S. bondholders, for example, people who hold our debt. Well, that you know, of course, the cost of borrowing would go way up. That would hit people's credit cards. Um, that would be really bad for our economy. And and uh, one of the things people try and hire when they look to uh, hire a U.S. senator is people with discernment, a little bit of wisdom. And um, uh, so we don't we don't want to do something unwise, but we do want to use our leverage points and be aggressive because the stakes are really high, Tony. The stakes are, and and we're all feeling it. And when we have the supply chain issues that we have, we won't see uh, chips for cars and other computers until well into 2024. We're already seeing levels of rationing taking place in certain cases. We're getting ready for a, a butter shortage, and we see the inflation continue to grow. The hard steps have to happen. I don't think that's an austerity measure. I think that's an honesty measure, and yeah. and it, it should be asked of, of everyone, not just you, sir. It should be asked of everyone, when will you ask? actually put an end to the spending because the spending is our fundamental issue. And I believe it includes looking at some programs and saying you don't exist anymore. But I I need to change the subject while we have uh, the time talking to Senator Todd Young of Indiana. Uh, Joe Biden tonight is going to deliver an address at Union Station to address, and I'm quoting here, the threat of election deniers and those who seek to undermine faith in voting and democracy. This is a continued January 6th conversation. Is this, a, is this in your view, acceptable from the president of the United States six days before the midterms where the trending numbers show his party will most probably lose in both the House and the Senate? You know, in a way, I take it as... Uh encouraging for those who are looking for a big Republican night. The president is is lost in terms of, you know, what do I stand for? What's my message? What are, what are my main objectives? Uh, if Democrats were to maintain Congress, I, I, I think he's, I think he's lost. And, and so he's, he's falling back on the, the Jan six, messaging uh, because he can't think of anything else to talk about. He can't talk about the economy. He can't talk about spending. He sure as heck can't talk specifically about oil and gas prices. He can't talk about border security. He can't talk about how how he's been able uh, to address supply chain challenges, baby formula, still not on the shelves. He can't talk about how he, he somehow was able to sustain the Trump Republican Congress era uh, uh, record of not having any new wars overseas. He can't talk about any of that. And he sure as heck can't talk about his botched exit from Afghanistan. No one's ever been held accountable for that. There's a whole lot. He, He can't talk about crime in the streets. That might be embarrassing to him and the blue state governors, the liberal mayors. And others who continue to talk about defunding the police and related nonsense. There's a lot he can't talk about. So I guess he he feels comfortable demagoguing about Jan 6. It's ironic because when he came into office, he was positioning himself, it seemed, to be a unifier. That's what he said on the steps of the United States Capitol. He was going to unite the country after what he characterized as a long, tough period. And, you know, listen, I want my president to be a unifier. 
Well, don't hold your breath. He's had his opportunity. He hasn't attempted to unify all the way down to the wire here to in this election season. He's attempting to divide. I, I had no idea he was going to be at Union Station. I can't imagine outside of the most hardened liberal Democratic activist that he's going to have a whole lot of my constituents who are excited about uh, his appearance. Uh, on the subject of baby formula, really quick, uh, is that something the Senate can move on? We clearly have created a monopoly situation on baby formula. We, uh, through our own policies, have exacerbated the issues of not having baby formula on the shelves. When one plant goes down, when one company has an issue, we end up telling uh, parents of infants, best of luck. Can we change this? Can we, through, uh, through regulation, change this to allow more baby formula to get on the shelves from other places? Listen, I, there ought to be a punch list of even minor regulations uh, from the administration on this and, and some evidence that they've attempted uh, to rework the regulations in a way that would free up more supply. That's the key to freeing up supply in this modern uh, economy where government plays such a, a, a large role deregulate. So it's the case in oil and gas, it's the case in housing, so many of these other things for which there is a, an alleged shortage. So yes, that's exactly what needs to happen, Tony. Uh, if, if they go through a punch list of deregulation and that doesn't bring enough supply online, as I think it would, then we need to look at competition issues. You know, is there manipulation of the market? I, 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 I haven't seen any evidence of this, but this is the job of governing. This is why people presumably spend 40 years in the public eye, 40 years giving speeches, 40 years talking about all the important things they want to do for the country. But, you know, listen, it looks like the president doesn't, hasn't, hasn't gone through that process. He's grabbed the brass ring. He is now president of the United States. And he has cabinet officials. I, I, I don't know. There's a couple of solid ones, but those with the baby formula portfolio, don't really seem to be coming through. So this is when we hold chief executives accountable. Two years into their first term, what are the what are the people of America, people of Indiana specifically, what do they think? Are they better off now than they were two years ago? That's what they'll decide on November 8th. Well, I, I would suggest to you, sir, that you be one of the people who leads on this very subject because it's a subject that requires uh, the the leadership. Senator Todd Young, you can find him at young.senate.gov, running for re-election Republican candidate for U.S. Senate. Sir, I appreciate taking the time uh, to be with us. We have got more, including what Liz Cheney has now said. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. So Liz Cheney, Republican, question mark, has said that she would vote for Tim Ryan in the Ohio Senate race. Tim Ryan is a Democrat who is with Joe Biden 100% of the time. 100% of the time. If you want to be bothered with Donald Trump and what happened on January 6th, I think that's completely fine. I don't think there's an issue with that at all. I think you could be a Republican and a conservative and be bothered. I know I am. I've said it. I have not shied away from it. 
But it's irrational to then say, and because of that, I'm going to vote for Tim Ryan over J.D. Vance. I'm going to vote for Slotkin in Michigan. If Liz Cheney just wanted to end her relationship with the Republican Party, she's now done it. And January can't come fast enough. This is Tony Katz today.